0: Welcome to the Jubilee Plus Podcast. I'm Abby Thomas and thanks for joining me for the last in our series of seminars from the Churches That Change Communities Conference, which was held in November 2023. Today's seminar is called Business for Good and we're going to hear from Ben Leach firstly. He's the founder of a not-for-profit accountancy firm and we're then going to hear from Lucy Butt, who is the co-founder and CEO of Bramber Bakehouse.
1: Hi, everyone. My name is Ben Leach. I'm the director of Ben Leach Associates, a not-for-profit firm of chartered accountants formed earlier this year. Uh, we're a small firm. We're only three part-time workers at the moment, but in, already in our first couple of months, we've seen some really exciting things and some really exciting growth. And we we advertise ourselves as a firm with a difference. We are uh, a Christian firm entirely staffed by Christians and working on kingdom principles, doing everything we do for the glory of God. And uh, it's a real privilege to to be here with you today, to be uh, talking about a little bit about what I do. And uh, I'm just going to give you a very brief overview into a bit about our background. I want to talk about why it is that we're doing the thing that we're doing. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about how it looks to be a not-for-profit firm of accountants in a world that's very profit-centered. And I just want to talk a little bit about why you should think about doing something similar, or turning the professional skills that you have uh, into something that really builds the kingdom and is for the glory of God. I'm going to begin by talking a little bit about the why for having set up a firm of not-for-profit accountants the the first reason really is just that i wanted to do things differently to the way that i'd seen across the industry so i have about 10 years of experience in the accounting industry and i've seen a, a number of different firms some good some bad but actually the the one thing that's been at the heart of everything that every firm seems to do has been profit. Uh, and this extends to kind of two different points really the first is that uh Firms will only work with clients if they think it can be profitable. So there's a lot of really good work that could be done for really good causes that simply isn't done on the grounds that it's just not profitable for the firms in question. And the second aspect of that is that actually people are valued by their ability to create profit for the firms. So employees are evaluated based on how quickly they can do work, how much profit they can generate for the firm, rather than if they're actually good at what they do or regardless of what other things might be motivating them or driving them. And I ran across these two narratives time and time again in practice, and it left me with a real desire to do something different, to approach the question of how should the counselling firm be run from a completely different perspective. Uh, Not necessarily from a perspective which says no to profit altogether, but actually just from a perspective which acknowledges that maybe profit shouldn't be the beginning and the end and everything in between. The second reason why I wanted to set up a firm of accountants as a not for profit was quite simple, really. It's just because it's something that I felt God wanted me to do through uh, a number of different conversations and encounters with different people who are asking the right sorts of questions. I began to realize that actually there is a real value in being able to offer professional services at a, at a level and a rate that actually they wouldn't get from purely profit seeking firms of accountants. Let me give you an example from a time when I was working in a previous firm of accountants. I was asked by a small international missions charity uh, whether I'd be able to undertake a particular piece of work for them. It's quite an ambitious project. They wanted to fundamentally change uh, their understanding and a lot of their kind of management of their financial processes, and they came to me for some help. And I listened to what they wanted, and my first thought was, you know, "This is not going to be possible." It's um, what you're asking for would be too expensive for you they told me what their budget was and i massively explained you won't be able to afford what you're asking for but actually what i then did was i went and reflected on this and i felt prompted to do something a little bit different so i was i was in a position of management i was able to do this i i offered to do the work for them at a rate that they could actually afford and in my own head at least my justification for that was that you know if there were, if there was any fallout with regard to how profitable or otherwise it was, that would be that would be on me. That would be, you know, I would I would handle that for them. You know, I would take the consequences of that so that they didn't have to, so that they could have the piece of work that they really needed to kind of enable them to to change how they did things. And uh, they were extremely grateful for that. And actually, it, there was a small amount of fallout from that, but uh, it, it was I was extremely blessed actually to be able to to work with them on that to see you know, how beneficial it was to them. And that that was just one example of quite formative experience in my professional life that led me to this point of deciding that actually I did want to do things things differently and more with with God in mind. To move the story on a little bit, um, so in late 2022, uh, my wife and I, we made the decision that we were going to move from our our home in Oxfordshire and join the church plants up in Sheffield um, and move move our family our two young boys uh, across the country. And actually, that decision uh, I realised was an opportunity for me. It um, meant you know I would be looking for a new job, and uh, actually, rather than continue to kind of do exactly what I'd done previously and slot into a, another firm of accountants, I really felt actually that the timing was right for me to start this uh, this venture that I wanted to do, uh, to start a, an accounting firm based on a different set of principles. And so that's that's really where things began, alongside that kind of move. Over the months that followed, uh, in the early days of setting up the firm, there were a couple of different landmark events that really prompted me in better understanding how it would be that I should run this not-for-profit firm, particularly how I should be doing it for God's glory and not for my own. The The very first thing that I decided on that I wanted to do as a firm is to treat this business as not being my business, but actually first and foremost being God's business, just in the same way as we acknowledge that everything else in this world is from God and for God, it would be exactly the same with this business. One of the key areas that I felt that that should apply should be in giving. So, just as many of us choose to donate a certain portion of our income to God, I felt that actually my business should be doing exactly the same. So, I made a commitment in the very early days that 10% of all that we earned uh, would be given back to God. So, not not a kind of calculation based on our profits, but actually just 10% straight off the top. Um, Again, just treating that money as though, you know, it's actually this, this was God's money, first and foremost, and not my own. The next landmark in that journey was around transparency. So I wanted to be quite clear, not just internally on what we were doing and how we were doing it for God, but actually with in how we communicated that to, to people outside of the business as well. And so I created four key metrics that I wanted to, to report on, not just internally, but to the world. You can see those there on our, our website and I try and update them each month. And there are, there are four, four areas that we monitor. So there's how much we've earned in the first instance, then how much we've given away to charity. That's the second. There's the number of good causes or organizations or charities that we work alongside. And then the fourth is how much money we've saved those organizations by the way that we by the way that we do things and by the, the charitable discounts that we give out. And those are the four things that I wanted to make really clear to people that were considering using us as their accountants that actually we were driven by our principles and by our values and not by the desire to just make a profitable business relationship with others. Connected to that point, I felt prompted a few months down the line, actually, that I had slipped into a bit of a commercial mindset. So I came up with this idea that actually the way I should be approaching commerce and business should be to put prayer before profit. I have a bit of a story to share around this. Uh, It's quite a challenging story for me. Um, A couple of months ago now, I'd had a number of really good meetings, really positive meetings with a, a new potential client, a Christian charity. I knew how much they could afford for my services. So I sent them a quote. So I sent them an email saying, I will do the work for you for this much money. And uh, I was pretty confident that they were going to get back to me and say, that's all fine, please get started. But actually, within moments of having sent that email, I felt challenged that the quote that I'd given them was not right. And I realized I'd slipped into this commercial mindset. I'd seen how much I could take out of the arrangement if I wanted to rather than viewing them as a charity to invest in, a charity to show support to by the offer that I make them. And so I actually followed it up. as I followed up with a direct um, an email to one of their trustees, apologizing for what I'd done and basically explaining what I felt God had put on my heart, that I'd slipped into a bit of a commercial mindset and actually half the quote that, I, that I'd sent them because actually uh, what I'd offered them I didn't need. And it wasn't the kind of way that I want to be doing business. I just want to finish off by talking a little bit about why if you are in a professional sector or if you feel like you have professional or any other kind of skills actually in your workplace that you're not really able to use for the glory of God because actually the the prospect of starting your own business is too too big for you. Um, I just want to land with a bit of encouragement for anyone in that situation. So the first thing I want to say is that actually the kingdom of God needs skilled professionals, skilled administrators, skilled everyone. There is always need for the skills that you have uh, in the kingdom. Um, if you look around at the kind of the charitable projects there are in the world, there is so much need for people to, to be involved, even in those even those kind of administrative details, there's always a place for people to, to give their time, to give their energy. Um, and so I'd really encourage anyone who, who feels that way, perhaps you feel like you have those skills and actually there are you know, charities or organizations that really interest you, or you feel like you could really support, but you're not quite sure how those two things fit together. I just want to encourage you in a number of different ways, really. There's um, there's quite a lot of op- opportunities out there in the world for people to become trustees of charities, uh, if you're interested at all in governance. But I mean, more generally, uh, every charity I've ever spoken to is always happy to have people volunteer. And if, they, you know, if there's the potential for people to volunteer for things behind the scenes, then so much the better. I also just want to offer an encouragement to anyone who, like me, was maybe in a professional service industry and had considered the possibility that they might be able to start their own thing and do it differently and take on the kind of values that they wanted to take on, but perhaps you're looking at it and going, oh, it's too much work or it'd be too hard, or perhaps you know, I don't have a well-established enough client base to really get going. I just wanna encourage you that actually it's, it's perfectly fine to start small and there's a lot of pressure around you know, needing to immediately turn it into a full-time job or something like that. But actually if, if what you're motivated by is doing good and following God, and if you feel like that's what is on your heart to do, then I would really encourage you to just go ahead and do it. In the uh, the parable of the talents, it's one that I come back to quite frequently. And see, you know, Jesus talking about actually for those who are who do well with a something small, God gives more to them, and uh, that's very much been you know, the kind of narrative that I've been adopting for us as a firm. We've not been rushing to kind of grow as fast as we possibly can, but actually, we wanted to do well with the clients that we had in the first instance and then you know just watching and seeing how god's grown us and actually we we have grown with uh, originally it was just me when uh, our still a small team but a team of three and we're working with some really really good organizations that we've been really blessed to be connected with them um mostly not from our own merit either but just uh, you know people that god has kind of put in our path that we've connected with and uh yeah it's been a really really encouraging start in terms of what comes next for us as a firm, uh, as we've grown, we've been thinking more and more about how it would be to have a bigger staff team and how we could really kind of model Kingdom values in how we in how we treat those that work with us. And one area that we've thought about quite a bit as we as we've grown is our potential to maybe take on apprentices or to work with people from disadvantaged backgrounds who perhaps wouldn't be the the typical stock for new trainee accountants. It's uh, an area that uh, we're really praying into at the moment as we grow. And it's uh, something we're really looking forward to seeing uh, what God does in the future. Thanks very much for, for listening along today. I hope that it's been interesting or potentially encouraging for those of you who are thinking about other ways that you can use the work that you do or the businesses that you own for the glory of God. Um, really looking forward to being among you at the conference in person. Uh, We'd love to chat to anyone that has any questions or any thoughts about anything that I've shared today or alternatively please do drop me an email if you'd like to get in touch. And, uh, yeah, thanks very much.
2: Hello, my name's Lucy and today I want to talk to you about business for good. Several years ago, a friend and I felt compelled to create a sustainable business. We wanted to support women who'd experienced violence, exploitation and displacement, giving them opportunities to thrive. One in three women globally experience abuse. And with a lack of opportunities to move ahead, we knew there needed to be a personal, caring and life-changing support system in place for women in need. We were young, naive and inexperienced, but it was clear to us that God had prepared us for a life of mission. Alongside this, we carried an entrepreneurial spirit and this led us to combine our distaste for injustice with our love of good business. Bramber Bakehouse was born. It's a social enterprise that provides women with the skills, support and confidence that they need to move ahead and have a healthy, meaningful life. Our programmes are a combination of baking lessons, wellbeing sessions, life skills and ongoing support through mentoring, befriending and volunteering and we're a small but growing organisation. We've supported almost 100 women across the South East with our award-winning programmes, with many entering further education, volunteering or paid work. Our business is centred around our love for good food and particularly baked products. Customers are purchasing with a purpose and our baked goods part fund the charitable work that we do. If you're listening to this seminar, I imagine you're already in business Or perhaps you've got a budding idea or an inherent feeling within that you need to do something to support those on the margins of society you've come to the right place we're going to spend some time unpacking God's heart for business we're going to look at the character of Jesus and how we can take action reflecting those qualities in our current or future business practices so let's start by taking a look at the heart of God Almost 10 years ago, God's heart for the poor, marginalised and vulnerable caught the attention of Holland and I. We'd been prayer walking for three years and we were volunteering for the Salvation Army's anti-trafficking division. It was clear to us that there was a real need for survivors to receive support, care and skills, which would enable them to recover, thrive and heal. We'd also been mulling over the words of Isaiah 58, A scripture filled with the rich insight of God's heart. God is shaking things up. He wants to make it crystal clear. What is worship and what is it not? Let's take a look at this together. This is the kind of fast day I'm after. To break the chains of injustice. Get rid of exploitation in the workplace. Free the oppressed. Cancel debts. What I'm interested in seeing you do is share your food with the hungry, inviting the homeless poor into your homes, putting clothes on the shivering ill clad, being available to your own families. Do this and the lights will turn on and your lives will begin to turn around at once. Your righteousness will pave your way. The God of glory will secure your passage. Then when you pray, God will answer. You'll call out for help and I'll say, here I am. If you get rid of unfair practices quit blaming victims quit gossiping about other people's sins if you are generous with the hungry and start giving yourself to the down and out your lives will begin to glow in the darkness your shadowed lives will be bathed in sunlight i will always show you where to go i'll give you a full life in the emptiest of places firm muscles strong bones You'll be like a well-watered garden, a gurgling spring that never runs dry. You'll use the old rubble of past lives to build anew, rebuild the foundations from out of your past. You'll be known as those who can fix anything, restore old ruins, rebuild and renovate, make the community livable again. There's little room for interpretation here. God's heart is clear and I am sure like me, you feel the weight of those words. Holland and I wanted to take action, creating business for good, getting rid of injustice, exploitation, oppression. But building a business, and particularly a business for good, is tricky work. You're looking to put purpose and people before profit and this comes with its challenges. Three things continue to push us forward. Our mission, for women to have a healthy, meaningful life. Our purpose, for women to experience God's love and heart for justice, mercy and healing. And number three, the heart of God. So how do we create a business for good? The best way to answer this question is to look at the character of Jesus. Here's just some of the amazing characteristics I'd like to pick out today. The first one is that Jesus is obedient. His mission is clear and as far as we can see, he doesn't deviate from the path. He's focused and he's outworking his calling here on earth. The second thing that I love is that Jesus is a chief delegator. He sees the way Jesus used his disciples to empower them, delegating his work in order to draw people close to him. We can't do it alone and we shouldn't try to. The call of your life might feel huge, the next step might feel too heavy for you to carry, but we need to draw on others, delegate and work together to share the load. And Jesus doesn't just demonstrate those things that get us started in business. He displays characteristics which help us to run good business, fair practice, good culture, discipleship, enabling growth and creating a space where mistakes are made and it's okay. These are just some of the important aspects for us to consider as we lead good business. And here's a few traits that Jesus displays while he's encountering individuals and groups within the Bible. Jesus displays grace and forgiveness. In Matthew 18, we see Peter asking Jesus if he should forgive someone seven times. And Jesus shocks him by replying that he shouldn't just forgive seven times, he should forgive 77 times. Basically, however much we think we should forgive, we should forgive more. Jesus isn't just forgiving others because it's socially acceptable or it's a nicety. He's forgiving to show the people God's heart and to set people free. We have a real opportunity, operating business for good, to model grace and forgiveness. Jesus is also a compassion champion. Recently, I heard the saying, compassion before punishment, and it really stuck with me. We can create amazing change when we allow compassion to motivate us to action. Jesus is the compassion champion, and we see this right after John the Baptist's death. Jesus withdraws to a remote area to be alone. So often he's surrounded by crowds, but he wants to be alone after the death of someone that he loves but the crowds of people hear where he's going and rather than giving him the space that they need, they follow him and press in around him, eager to have their own needs fulfilled. Sometimes the last thing we want is to be confronted by other people's demands and needs. But Jesus looked out at the crowd and had compassion on them and healed their sick. He set aside his own needs to minister to others, not because he had to, but because he had compassion, and it's some compassion that made him want to. How can we be compassionate champions, not just for the people that we're serving, but also for our employees? The other thing that I love is that Jesus always speaks the truth. He doesn't shy away from honesty. In Matthew twelve thirty four, we see Jesus refer to the Pharisees as a brood of vipers, and they had great religious influence and some would argue this was quite risky but Jesus doesn't care about the repercussions he's concerned with sharing his message not political support there may be times when you in your business need to speak truth into situations sometimes it can be unpopular or unpredictable Um, there's definitely been a few times at Bramber where this has been the case and we've had to advocate for those who cannot advocate for themselves let's draw on the examples of how jesus does this there are so many characteristics to look at too many for the time we've got today but based on these what are the ways we can pull these into our business for good do our business practices reflect the character of jesus how can we display those beautiful fruits of the spirit love joy peace forbearance kindness goodness faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. I am a sucker for a good business book or podcast, if it helps me to run my business better or be a better leader, I want to hear about it. But isn't it amazing that we have the best business book available to us, the Bible, displaying God's heart full of words of wisdom and insight into the life of Jesus. We couldn't really ask for more. So. On to the practicalities, we've looked at the heart of God, we've looked at the character of Jesus, characteristics we can try to emulate as leaders and businesses ourselves. But what now? How can we step towards business for good? Here are some of my top tips and number one is to write it down. You might already have an idea, a concept or you want to manoeuvre your business for good. Consider God's heart and your own personal conviction. What does it look like to you? What has God called you to? Write it down and commit to it. Make it a commitment to your mission. It's something that we did back when we started Bramber in 2014 and I'm so glad that we did. Things may change and God moves, doesn't he? It, it Sometimes things do change, but it's a helpful reminder of the mission, the calling you originally had, and it can act as a handy reminder during tough times. My second top tip is to get equipped. Our journey started when we were just 21. We were inexperienced, but we were equipped with a very clear calling. We had scripture, we had prayer, we had a supportive group of friends and family, and we felt like we were being led by the Holy Spirit. Proverbs 16, 9 encourages us. The heart of man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. I would advise you to constantly pray and do, pray and do, pray and do. Enable the Holy Spirit to guide your path and you will not be disappointed. Number three, and most importantly, don't forget that it's all about Jesus. We have tasted and seen the realness of God's love for us. It's unending. And the Great Commission calls us to go forth, make disciples, tell everyone about Jesus. Don't forget the reason for your mission. Six years ago, we ran a programme at King's Catford. The women we were supporting were highly vulnerable and they'd been through unimaginable pain. They were traumatised and often very isolated. Over lunch one day, one of the women, Abigail, was questioning our intentions, which is not unusual for women who've experienced abuse and pain and as a result have built a distrust. Why would you do this for us? What's the catch? I started to tentatively tell her about her faith and our reason for doing the work that we were doing. And it was such a profound moment in my working life. Here was someone asking me about our business. And as a result, I could share the good news of Jesus with her. We are only human and we will fall down. We also tend to slip into, pas- pa- into patterns of selfishness. We must keep reminding ourselves and surround ourselves with people who will help us to do the same that the reason for our mission is Jesus. My fourth tip is to trust him. Some of you may be familiar with Jackie Pullinger. She's an inspirational Christian missionary. She spent many years in Hong Kong's walled city and she witnessed the immeasurable power of the Holy Spirit at work in addicts as they were set free and began to follow Jesus. I was recently watching an interview where she explained how she came to start her missional journey. Speaking to a vicar, she said, how can I go? I don't know where. And the vicar simply said to her, get on a ship and pray where to get off. Wow, do we have that kind of faith? I know I could certainly use more of that kind of faith. What an amazing way to live. Business for good is not always clean cut it's not always straightforward and sometimes the paths are unclear but as we start to draw to a close may we fully trust that god holds us and guides us let's take a minute to do that together now lord we are here we are willing and we are ready to get on that ship and get off where we feel called be encouraged isaiah 58 verse 8 says the god of glory will secure your passage then when you pray god will answer you'll call out for help and i'll say here i am and finally take action don't forget to take action sometimes we can plan and plan and plan but sometimes it takes a moment to put a stake in the ground put one foot in front of another and trust that god will guide us and use us for the good of others. Isaiah 58 is clear, and I just love the way the message explains it. You'll use the old rubble of past lives to build anew, rebuild the foundations from out of your past. You'll be known as those who can fix anything, restore old ruins, rebuild and renovate, make the communities liveable again. Wouldn't you love to see the community liveable again? We have an opportunity to do this when we do business for good. Like those well-watered gardens in Isaiah 58, we'll be nourished, radiant, thriving. We may even have the right ingredients, excuse the Bramber pun, and we'll be able to encounter Jesus. Wouldn't that be wonderful? I'd love to end with the words of Ephesians 3 verses 20 to 21. As we think about our God who is immeasurable. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the powers at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever.
0: Amen. Thank you so much to Lucy and to Ben for sharing their wisdom and their journeys with us. And thank you so much for joining me for the Jubilee Plus podcast. I hope you found all this content from the Churches That Change Communities Conference helpful and encouraging. Please do send an episode to a friend if you think it will help and encourage them too. And we're going to be back with our new series, Tis Mercy All, very soon. But until then, do visit jubilee-plus.org to find out more about Jubilee Plus and how you can get involved and be supported.